section sixteen of the morals volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. The Morals, Volume 1, by Plutarch. Translated by several hands, corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin. The Apothames, or Remarkable Sayings of Kings and Great Commanders. Part 2. Alexander while alexander was a boy philip had great success in his affairs at which he did not rejoice but told the children that were brought up with him my father will leave me nothing to do the children answered your father gets all this for you but what good saith he will it do me if i possess much and do nothing being nimble and light-footed his father encouraged him to run in the olympic race yes said he if there were any kings there to run with me a wench being brought to lie with him late in the evening he asked why she tarried so long she answered i stayed until my husband was abed and he sharply reproved his pages because through their carelessness he had almost committed adultery as he was sacrificing to the gods liberally and often offered frankincense leonidas his tutor standing by said o son thus generously will you sacrifice when you have conquered the country that bears frankincense and when he had conquered it he sent him this letter i have sent you an hundred talents of frankincense and cassia that hereafter you may not be niggardly towards the gods when you understand i have conquered the country in which perfumes grow the night before he fought at the river granicus he exhorted the macedonians to sup plentifully and to bring out all they had as they were to sup the next day at the charge of their enemies perillus one of his friends begged of him portions for his daughters and he ordered him to receive fifty talents and when he said ten were enough alexander replied enough for you to receive but not for me to give he commanded his steward to give anaxarchus the philosopher as much as he should ask for he asketh said the steward for an hundred talents he doth well said he knowing he hath a friend that both can and will bestow so much on him seeing at miletus many statues of wrestlers that had overcome in the olympic and pythian games and where said he were these lusty fellows when the barbarians assaulted your city when ada queen of caria was ambitious often to send him sauces and sweetmeats 
delicately prepared by the best cooks and artists, he said, I have better confectioners of my own, viz. my night travelling for my breakfast, and my spare breakfast for my dinner. All things being prepared for a fight, his captains asked him whether he had anything else to command them. Nothing, said he, but that the Macedonians should shave their beards. Parmenio wondering at it, Do you not know, said he, there is no better hold in a fight than the beard? When Darius offered him ten thousand talents and to divide Asia equally with him, I would accept it, said Parmenio, were I Alexander. And so truly would I, said Alexander, if I were Parmenio. But he answered Darius that the earth could not bear two sons, nor Asia two kings. When he was going to fight for the world at Arbela against ten hundred thousand enemies set in array against him, some of his friends came to him and told him the discourse of the soldiers in their tents, who had agreed that nothing of the spoils should be brought into the treasury, but they would have all themselves. You tell me good news, said he for I hear the discourse of men that intend to fight and not to run away. Several of his soldiers came to him and said, O king, be of good courage and fear not the multitude of your enemies, for they will not be able to endure the very stink of our sweat. The army being marshaled, he saw a soldier fitting his thong to his javelin and dismissed him as a useless fellow for fitting his weapons when he should use them. As he was reading a letter from his mother containing secrets and accusations of Antipater, Hephaestion also, as he was wont, read it along with him. Alexander did not hinder him, but when the letter was read, he took his ring off his finger and laid the seal of it upon Hephaestion's mouth. Being saluted as the son of Jupiter in the temple of Ammon by the chief priest, it is no wonder, said he, for Jupiter is by nature the father of all, and calls the best men his sons. When he was wounded with an arrow in the ankle, and many ran to him that were wont to call him a god, he said, smiling, That is blood, as you see, and not, as Homer saith, such humour as distills from blessed gods. To some that commended the frugality of Antipater, whose diet was sober and without luxury, outwardly, said he, Antipater wears white clothes, but within he is all purple. In a cold winter day one of his friends invited him to a banquet, and there being a little fire on a small hearth, he bid him fetch either wood or frankincense. 
Antipatridas brought a beautiful singing woman to supper with him. Alexander, being taken with her visage, asked Antipatridas whether she was his miss or not. And when he confessed she was, O oh, villain, said he, turn her immediately out from the banquet. Again, when Cassander forced a kiss from Pytho, a boy beloved by Evius the piper, and Alexander perceived that Evius was concerned at it, he was extremely enraged at Cassander, and said with a loud voice, It seems nobody must be loved if you can help it. When he sent such of the Macedonians as were sick and maimed to the sea, they showed him one that was in health and yet subscribed his name among the sick. Being brought into the presence and examined, he confessed he used that pretense for the love of Telesippa, who was going to the sea. Alexander asked of whom he could make inquiries about this Telesippa, and hearing she was a free woman, he said, Therefore, my Antigones, let us persuade her to stay with us, for to force her to do so when she is a free woman is not according to my custom. Of the mercenary Grecians that fought against him, he took many prisoners. He commanded the Athenians should be kept in chains, because they served for wages when they were allowed a public maintenance. And the Thessalians, because when they had a fruitful country, they did not till it. But he set the Thebans free, saying, To them only I have left neither city nor country. He took captive an excellent Indian archer that said he could shoot an arrow through a ring, and commanded him to show his skill. And when the man refused to do this, he commanded him in a rage to be put to death. The man told them that led him to execution that, not having practiced for many days, he was afraid he should miss. Alexander, hearing this, wondered at him and dismissed him with rewards, because he chose rather to die than show himself unworthy of his reputation. Taxiles, one of the Indian kings, met Alexander and advised him not to make war nor fight with him, but, if he were a meaner person than himself, to receive kindness from him, or, if he were a better man, to show kindness to him. He answered, that was the very thing they must fight for, who should exceed the other in bounty. When he heard the rock called Iornus in India was by its situation impregnable, but the commander of it was a coward, then, said he, the place is easy to be taken. Another, commanding a rock thought to be invincible, surrendered himself and the rock to Alexander, who committed the said rock and the adjacent country to his government, saying, I take this for a wise man, 
who chose rather to commit himself to a good man than to a strong place. When the rock was taken, his friends said that it exceeded the deeds of Hercules. But I, said he, do not think my actions and all my empire to be compared with one word of Hercules. He fined some of his friends, whom he caught playing at dice, in earnest. Of his chief and most powerful friends, he seemed most to respect Craterus and to love Hephaestion. Craterus, said he, is the friend of the king, but Hephaestion is the friend of Alexander. He sent fifty talents to Xenocrates, the philosopher, who would not receive them, saying he was not in want. And he asked whether Xenocrates had no friend either, for as to myself, said he, the treasure of Darius is hardly sufficient for me to bestow among my friends. He demanded of Porus, after the fight, how he should treat him. Royally, said he, like a king. And being again asked what farther he had to request, all things, said he, are in that word, royally. Admiring his wisdom and valor, he gave him a greater government than he had before. Being told a certain person reviled him, to do good, said he, and to be evil spoken of, is kingly. As he was dying, looking upon his friends, I see, said he, my funeral tournament will be great. When he was dead, Demades the rhetorician likened the Macedonian army without a general to Polyphemus the Cyclops when his eye was put out. Ptolemy Ptolemy, the son of Lagos, frequently supped with his friends and lay at their houses, and if at any time he invited them to supper, he made use of their furniture, sending for vessels, carpets, and tables, for he himself had only things that were of constant use about him, saying it was more becoming a king to make others rich than to be rich himself. Antigonus Antigonus exacted money severely. When one told him that Alexander did not do so, it may be so, said he, Alexander reaped Asia, and I but glean after him. Seeing some soldiers playing at ball in headpieces and breastplates, he was pleased and sent for their officers, intending to commend them. But when he heard the officers were drinking, he bestowed their commands on the soldiers. When all men wondered that in his old age his government was mild and easy. Formerly, said he, I sought for power, but now for glory and good will. To Philip his son, who asked him in the presence of many when the army would march, 
what said he are you afraid that you only should not hear the trumpet the same young man being desirous to quarter at a widow's house that had three handsome daughters antigonus called the quartermaster to him prithee said he help my son out of these straits recovering from a slight disease he said no harm this distemper puts me in mind not to aim at great things since we are mortal hermodotus in his poems called him son of the sun he that attends my close stool said he sings me no such song when one said all things in kings are just and honourable indeed said he for barbarian kings but for us only honourable things are honourable and only just things are just marcius his brother had a cause depending and requested him it might be examined at his house nay said he it shall be heard in the judgment hall that all may hear whether we do exact justice or not in the winter being forced to pitch his camp where necessaries were scarce some of his soldiers reproached him not knowing he was near he opened the tent with his cane saying woe be to you unless you get you farther off when you revile me aristodemus one of his friends supposed to be a cook's son advised him to moderate his gifts and expenses thy words said he aristodemus smell of the apron the athenians out of a respect to him gave one of his servants the freedom of their city and i would not said he have any athenian whipped by my command a youth scholar to anaximenes the rhetorician spoke in his presence a prepared and studied speech and he asking something which he desired to learn the youth was silent what do you say said he is all that you have said written in your table-book when he heard another rhetorician say the snow-spread season makes the country fodder spent will you not stop said he prating to me as you do to the rabble thrasyllus the cynic begged a drachm of him that said he is too little for a king to give why then said the other give me a talent and that said he is too much for a cynic or for a dog to receive sending his son demetrius with ships and land forces to make greece free glory said he from greece as from a watch-tower will shine throughout the world antagoras the poet was boiling a conjure and antigonus coming behind him as he was stirring his skillet said do you think antagoras that homer boiled conjures when he wrote the deeds of agamemnon antagoras replied 
do you think o king that agamemnon when he did such exploits was a peeping in his army to see who boiled conjures after he had seen in a dream mithridates mowing a golden harvest he designed to kill him and acquainted demetrius his son with his design making him swear to conceal it but demetrius taking mithridates aside and walking with him by the seaside with the pick of his spear wrote on the shore fly mithridates which he understanding fled into pontus and there reigned until his death demetrius demetrius while he was besieging rhodes found in one of the suburbs the picture of ialysis made by protogenes the painter the rhodians sent a herald to him beseeching him not to deface the picture i will sooner said he deface my father's statues than such a picture when he made a league with the rhodians he left behind him an engine called the city taker that it might be a memorial of his magnificence and of their courage when the athenians rebelled and he took the city which had been distressed for want of provision he called an assembly and gave them corn and while he made a speech to them concerning that affair he spoke improperly and when one that sat by told him how the word ought to be spoken he said for this correction i bestow upon you five thousand bushels more antigonus the second antigonus the second when his father was a prisoner and sent one of his friends to admonish him to pay no regard to anything that he might write at the constraint of seleucus and to enter into no obligation to surrender up the cities wrote to seleucus that he would give up his whole kingdom and himself for an hostage that his father might be set free being about to fight by sea with the lieutenants of ptolemy and the pilot telling him the enemy outnumbered him in ships he said but how many ships do you reckon my presence to be worth once when he gave ground his enemies pressing upon him he denied that he fled but he betook himself as he said to an advantage that lay behind him to a youth son of a valiant father but himself no very great soldier petitioning he might receive his father's pay young man said he i pay and reward men for their own not for their father's valour when zeno of Citium, whom he admired beyond all philosophers died he said the theatre of my actions is fallen lysimachus lysimachus when he was overcome by dromachitis in thrace and constrained by thirst surrendered himself and his army when he was a prisoner and had drunk o gods said he 
for how small a satisfaction have I made myself a slave from a king. To Philippides, the comedian, his friend and companion, he said, What have I that I may impart to you? He answered, What you please, except your secrets. Antipater Antipater, hearing that Parmenio was slain by Alexander, said, If Parmenio conspired against Alexander, whom may we trust? But if he did not, what is to be done? Of Demandes the rhetorician, now grown old, he said, As of sacrifices when finished, so there is nothing left of him but his belly and tongue. Antiochus the third. Antiochus the third wrote to the cities that if he should at any time write for anything to be done contrary to the law, they should not obey, but suppose it to be done out of ignorance. When he saw the priestess of Diana, that she was exceeding beautiful, he presently removed from Ephesus lest he should be swayed, contrary to his judgment, to commit some unholy act. Antiochus Hierax Antiochus, surnamed the Hawk, warred with his brother Seleucus for the kingdom. After Seleucus was overcome by the Galatians, and was not to be heard of but supposed to be slain in the fight, he laid aside his purple and went into mourning. A while after, hearing his brother was safe, he sacrificed to the gods for the good news, and caused the cities under his dominion to put on garlands. Eumenes Eumenes was thought to be slain by a conspiracy of Perseus. That report being brought to Pergamus, Atalus, his brother, put on the crown, married his wife, and took upon him the kingdom. Hearing afterwards his brother was alive and upon the way, he met him, as he used to do, with his lifeguard and a spear in his hand. Eumenes embraced him kindly and whispered in his ear, If a widow you will wed, wait till you're sure her husband's dead. But he never afterwards did or spake anything that showed any suspicion all his lifetime. But when he died, he bequeathed to him his queen and kingdom, in requital of which his brother bred up none of his own children, although he had many. But when the son of Eumenes was grown up, he bestowed the kingdom on him in his own lifetime. Pyrrhus the Epirot Pyrrhus was asked by his sons, when they were boys, to whom he would leave the kingdom. To him of you, saith he, that hath the sharpest sword. Being asked whether Pitho or Caphysius was the better piper, Polysperchon, said he, is the best general. He joined in battle with the Romans, and twice overcame them,
but with the loss of many friends and captains if i should overcome the romans said he in another fight i were undone not being able to keep sicily as he said from them turning to his friends he said what a fine wrestling ring do we leave to the romans and carthaginians his soldiers called him eagle and i may deserve the title said he while i am borne upon the wings of your arms hearing some young men had spoken many reproachful words of him in their drink he summoned them all to appear before him next day when they appeared he asked the foremost whether they spake such things of him or not the young man answered such words were spoken o king and more we had spoken if we had had more wine antiochus antiochus who twice made an inroad into parthia as he was once a-hunting lost his friends and servants in the pursuit and went into a cottage of poor people who did not know him as they were at supper he threw out discourse concerning the king they said for the most part he was a good prince but overlooked many things he left to the management of debauched courtiers and out of love of hunting often neglected his necessary affairs and there they stopped at break of day the guard arrived at the cottage and the king was recognized when the crown and purple robes were brought from the day said he on which i first received these i never heard truth concerning myself till yesterday when he besieged jerusalem the jews in respect of their great festival begged of him seven days truce which he not only granted but preparing oxen with gilded horns with a great quantity of incense and perfumes he went before them to the very gates and having delivered them as a sacrifice to their priests he returned back to his army the jews wondered at him and as soon as their festival was finished surrendered themselves to him themistocles themistocles in his youth was much given to wine and women but after miltiades the general overcame the persian at marathon themistocles utterly forsook his former disorders and to such as wondered at the change he said the trophy of miltiades will neither suffer me to sleep nor to be idle being asked whether he would rather be achilles or homer and pray said he which would you rather be a conqueror in the olympic games or the crier that proclaims who are conquerors when xerxes with that great navy made a descent upon greece he fearing if epicides a popular but a covetous corrupt and cowardly person were made general the city might be lost bribed him with a sum of money to desist from that pretence 
Adamantus was afraid to hazard a sea fight, whereunto Themistocles persuaded and encouraged the Grecians. O Themistocles, said he, those that start before their time in the Olympic Games are always scourged. Aye, but Adamantus, said the other, they that are left behind are not crowned. Eurybiades lifted up his cane at him as if he would strike him. Strike, said he, but hear me. When he could not persuade Eurybiades to fight in the straits of the sea, he sent privately to Xerxes, advising him that he need not fear the Grecians, for they were running away. Xerxes upon this persuasion, fighting in a place advantageous for the Grecians, was worsted. And then he sent him another message, and bade him fly with all speed over the Hellespont, for the Grecians designed to break down his bridge. That under pretense of saving him he might secure the Grecians. A man from the little island Seriphus told him he was famous not upon his own account, but through the city where he lived. You say true, said he, for if I had been a Seraphian, I had not been famous, nor would you if you had been an Athenian. To Antiphatus, a beautiful person that avoided and despised Themistocles when he formerly loved him, but came to him and flattered him when he was in great power and esteem, Hark you, lad, said he, though late, yet both of us are wise at last. To Simonides, desiring him to give an unjust sentence, You would not be a good poet, said he, if you should sing out of tune, nor I a good governor, if I should give judgment contrary to law. When his son was a little saucy towards his mother, he said that this boy had more power than all the Grecians, for the Athenians governed Greece, he the Athenians, his wife him, and his son his wife. He preferred an honest man that wooed his daughter before a rich man. I would rather, said he, have a man that wants money than money that wants a man. Having a farm to sell, he bid the crier proclaim also that it had a good neighbor. When the Athenians reviled him, Why do you complain, said he, that the same persons so often befriend you? And he compared himself to a row of plane trees, under which in a storm passengers run for shelter, but in fair weather they pluck the leaves off and abuse them. Scoffing at the Eritreans, he said, like the swordfish, they have a sword indeed, but no heart. Being banished first out of Athens and afterwards out of Greece, he betook himself to the king of Persia, who bade him speak his mind. Speech, he said, was like to tapestry, and, like it, when it was spread, 
it showed its figures, but when it was folded up, hid and spoiled them, and therefore he requested time until he might learn the Persian tongue and could explain himself without an interpreter. Having there received great presents and being enriched of a sudden, O lads, said he to his sons, we had been undone if we had not been undone. Mironides. Mironides summoned the Athenians to fight against the Boeotians. When the time was almost come, and the captains told him they were not near all come out, they are come, said he, all that intend to fight. And marching while their spirits were up, he overcame his enemies. Aristides. Aristides the just always managed his offices himself and avoided all political clubs because power gotten by the assistance of friends was an encouragement to the unjust. When the Athenians were fully bent to banish him by an ostracism, an illiterate country fellow came to him with his shell and asked him to write in it the name of Aristides. Friend, said he, do you know Aristides? Not I, said the fellow, but I do not like his surname of Just. He said no more, but wrote his name in the shell and gave it him. He was at variance with Themistocles, who was sent on an embassy with him. Are you content, said he, Themistocles, to leave our enmity at the borders, and, if you please, we will take it up again at our return. When he levied an assessment upon the Greeks, he returned poorer by so much as he spent in the journey. Aeschylus wrote these verses on Amphiaraos. His shield no emblem bears, his generous soul wishes to be not to appear the best while the deep furrows of his noble mind harvests of wise and prudent counsel bear and when they were pronounced in the theatre all turned their eyes upon aristides pericles whenever he entered on his command as general while he was putting on his war-cloak, he used thus to bespeak himself. Remember, Pericles, you govern freemen, Grecians, Athenians. He advised the Athenians to demolish Aegina as a dangerous eyesore to the haven of Piraeus. To a friend that wanted him to bear false witness and to bind the same with an oath, he said, I am a friend only as far as the altar. When he lay on his deathbed, he blessed himself that no Athenian ever went into mourning upon his account. Alcibiades Alcibiades, while he was a boy, wrestling in a ring, seeing he could not break his adversary's hold, bit him by the hand, who cried out, you bite like a woman, 
not so said he but like a lion he had a very handsome dog that cost him seven thousand drachmas and he cut off his tail that said he the athenians may have this story to tell of me and may concern themselves no farther with me coming into a school he called for homer's iliads and when the master told him he had none of homer's works he gave him a box on the ear and went his way he came to pericles's gate and being told he was busy of preparing his accounts to be given to the people of athens had he not better said he contrive how he might give no account at all being summoned by the athenians out of sicily to plead for his life he absconded saying that criminal was a fool who studied a defence when he might fly for it but said one will you not trust your country with your cause no said he nor my mother either lest she mistake and cast a black pebble instead of a white one when he heard death was decreed to him and his associates let us convince them said he that we are alive and passing over to lacedaemon he stirred up the decalean war against the athenians lamachus lamachus chid a captain for a fault and when he had said he would do so no more sir said he in war there is no room for a second miscarriage iphicrates iphicrates was despised because he was thought to be a shoemaker's son the exploit that first brought him into repute was this when he was wounded himself he caught up one of the enemies and carried him alive and in his armor to his own ship he once pitched his camp in a country belonging to his allies and confederates and yet he fortified it exactly with a trench and bulwark said one to him what are ye afraid of of all speeches said he none is so dishonorable for a general as i should not have thought it as he marshalled his army to fight with barbarians i am afraid said he they do not know iphicrates for his very name used to strike terror into other enemies being accused of a capital crime he said to the informer o fellow what art thou doing who when war is at hand dost advise the city to consult concerning me and not with me to harmodius descended from the ancient harmodius when he reviled him for his mean birth my nobility said he begins in me but yours ends in you a rhetorician asked him in an assembly who he was that he took so much upon him horseman or footman or archer or shield-bearer neither of them said he but one that understands how to command all those
Timotheus. Timotheus was reputed a successful general, and some that envied him painted cities falling under his net of their own accord while he was asleep. Said Timotheus, If I take such cities when I am asleep, what do you think I shall do when I am awake? A confident commander showed the Athenians a wound he had received. But I, said he, when I was your general in Samos, was ashamed that a dart from an engine fell near me. The orators set up Cares as one they thought fit to be general of the Athenians. Not to be general, said Timotheus, but to carry the general's baggage. Cabrias. Cabrias said they were the best commanders who best understood the affairs of their enemies. He was once indicted for treason with Iphicrates, who blamed him for exposing himself to danger by going to the place of exercise and dining at his usual hour. If the Athenians, said he, deal severely with us, you will die all foul and gut-foundered. I'll die clean and anointed with my dinner in my belly. He was wont to say that an army of stags with a lion for their commander was more formidable than an army of lions led by a stag. Hegesippus When Hegesippus, surnamed Crobulus, i.e., Topknot, instigated the Athenians against Philip, one of the assembly cried out, You would not persuade us to a war? Yes, indeed would I, said he, and to mourning clothes and to public funerals and to funeral speeches, if we intend to live free and not submit to the pleasure of the Macedonians. Pythias Pythias, when he was a young man, stood forth to oppose the decrees made concerning Alexander. One said, Have you, young man, the confidence to speak in such weighty affairs? And why not, said he, Alexander, whom you voted a god, is younger than I am. Phocion Phocion the Athenian was never seen to laugh or cry. In an assembly one told him, You seem to be thoughtful, Phocion. You guess right, said he, for I am contriving how to contract what I have to say to the people of Athens. The oracle told the Athenians there was one man in the city of a contrary judgment to all the rest. And the Athenians in a hubbub ordered search to be made who this should be. I, said Phocion, am the man. I alone am pleased with nothing the common people say or do. Once when he had delivered an opinion which pleased the people, and perceived it was entertained by a general consent, he turned to his friend and said, have I not unawares spoken some mischievous thing or other? The Athenians gathered a benevolence for a certain sacrifice, 
and when others contributed to it he being often spoken to said i should be ashamed to give to you and not to pay this man pointing to one of his creditors demosthenes the orator told him if the athenians should be mad they would kill you like enough said he me if they were mad but you if they were wise aristogiton the informer being condemned and ready to be executed in prison entreated that phocion would come to him and when his friends would not suffer him to go to so vile a person and where said he would you discourse with aristogiton more pleasantly the athenians were offended with the byzantines for refusing to receive caris into their city who was sent with forces to assist them against philip said phocion you ought not to be displeased with the distrust of your confederates but with your commanders that are not to be trusted whereupon he was chosen general and being trusted by the byzantines he forced philip to return without his errand king alexander sent him a present of a hundred talents and he asked those that brought it what it should mean that of all the athenians alexander should be thus kind to him they answered because he esteemed him alone to be a worthy and upright person pray therefore said he let him suffer me to seem as well as to be so alexander sent to them for some ships and the people calling for phocion by name bade him speak his opinion he stood up and told them i advise you either to conquer yourselves or else to side with the conqueror an uncertain rumor happened that alexander was dead immediately the orators leaped into the pulpit and advised them to make war without delay but phocion entreated them to tarry a while and know the certainty for said he if he is dead to-day he will be dead to-morrow and so forwards leosthenes hurried the city into a war with fond hopes conceited at the name of liberty and command phocion compared his speeches to cypress trees they are tall said he and comely but bear no fruit however the first attempts were successful and when the city was sacrificing for the good news he was asked whether he did not wish he had done this himself i would said he have done what has been done but have advised what i did when the macedonians invaded attica and plundered the sea-coasts he drew out the youth when many came to him and generally persuaded him by all means to possess himself of such an ascent and thereon to marshal his army 
o hercules said he how many commanders do i see and how few soldiers yet he fought and overcame and slew nicion the commander of the macedonians but in a short time the athenians were overcome and admitted a garrison sent by antipater menilus the governor of that garrison offered money to phocion who was enraged thereby and said this man is no better than alexander and what i refused then i can with less honour receive now antipater said of the two friends he had at athens he could never persuade phocion to accept a present nor could he ever satisfy demades with presents when antipater requested him to do some indirect thing or other antipater said he you cannot have phocion for your friend and flatterer too after the death of antipater democracy was established in athens and the assembly decreed the death of phocion and his friends the rest were led weeping to execution but as phocion passed silently one of his enemies met him and spat in his face but he turned himself to the magistrates and said will nobody restrain this insolent fellow one of those that were to suffer with him lamented and took on why euippus said he are you not pleased that you die with phocion when the cup of hemlock was brought to him being asked whether he had anything to say to his son i command you said he and entreat you not to think of any revenge upon the athenians End of section sixteen